Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. <laughs> B-F-F-T. From the Pack West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the Bald Face Truth. Well, the next guest that we're having on is the uh, co-host of the Canzano and Wilner podcast. He's a co-host. He's not a co-coach of the year. He's a co-host. I'm okay with being the co-host on that podcast. Why shouldn't Jonathan Smith and Kalen DeBoer be okay with being co-coach of the year? But some people, and by some people, I mean a certain sports media member in Seattle. Softy. I'm just going to say it. Softy at KJR. That guy, not happy. Not happy that Kalen DeBoer has got to share the award with Jonathan Smith. As far as the game on Saturday, am I scared? Am I fearful? First of all, I'm nervous for every freaking Husky game. That's number one. And number two, no, I'm not scared of Oregon. I mean, who the hell is Oregon beaten this year? They haven't beaten anybody. That guy doesn't want to share. Joining us now, John Wilner, co-host of the Kanzano and Wilner podcast, co-coach of the year. You okay with it? I am. Uh, I am, actually. I, I have no problem with it. If I had to pick one of the two, I would probably have leaned slightly to DeBoer. But I actually think it's uh, it's a good ending. Uh, they both deserve it. Uh, if if USC had won Friday night, I think he probably could have made a great case for, Kay, uh, for Lincoln Riley, right? Because he would have broken the playoff drought. Uh, but the way things turned out, I'm totally good with Smith and DeBoer. Just like a, I'm totally good with the co-host rule as well, but I would prefer to make co-coach of the year money. There you go. Yeah, you get a $25,000 bonus if you're Kalen DeBoer and Jonathan Smith for winning yep. that award. Yep. Um, you know, I asked the Pac-12, and they would not tell me. They, just, they would only confirm that Kyle Whittingham got some votes. Do you think it was, you know, enough where we should start pulling coaches individually or – you know, is it okay? I think it's okay to have a tie. I don't see. I don't get the big deal. This isn't like somebody gets to go to the playoff. I mean, it's just as I debate this, I think you can make a case for either guy, and I actually disagree with you. I think Jonathan Smith did more with less than Kalen DeBoer. Uh, yeah, no, you can make that case, but I'm not sure that that to me, what you have and what you can gather is part of the whole goes into the cauldron that, you know, that comes, produces your season, right? I mean, the recruiting aspect of it, uh, Jonathan Smith did not recruit uh, for all the things. You can list a hundred things that he did right, but he did not have that quarterback situation settled. And Kalen DeBoer found a great quarterback. And I think you have to just kind of take that into account. It is what you do with what you have, but you, you have to consider what you what you get but if we're going on one of those reality shows we're going to be on an island and we can only bring 10 items jonathan smith's your guy right 
Jonathan Smith is my guy because he could probably take a coconut and turn it into, like, a spaghetti dinner. <laughs> Wilner, I had a problem. I mean, they do a great job. They, nobody does a better job than Oregon State at, you know, having a plan. Of, well, other than Utah, nobody does a better job than having a plan, recruiting players that fit that plan, developing those players, all within this broad framework of a strategy that works for the the campus you have and the, the recruiting pool you have. They do a fantastic job. I had a problem with the Defensive Player of the Year award. It wasn't like uh, Tupu, you know, Tuli. I'm blanking on his last name now, and I said it earlier. But it wasn't like he, you know, it wasn't like he had a bad year. But USC was ahead in a bunch of games, and so Tuli Tuipolotu ends up in a situation where he can just pin his ears back and go after sacks. And oh, by the way, the defense around him was atrocious. He had all those sacks to himself. I I kind of feel like Clark Phillips the third was the best defensive player in this conference. He was really good. Uh, and so was Christian Gonzalez, Oregon's cornerback, I thought. Those three, to me, were the best. Uh, but, boy, I mean, he led, the, he led the country in sacks. He led the Pac-12 in tackles for loss. And he was, you know, he was kind of a one-man guy, right? You had to, he was the main person on USC's front seven that you had to account for with pocket protection. So, uh, you know, you could. He did have a lot of sack opportunities because they were playing from ahead, from so far ahead, so often. But uh, I thought he was just so impactful on a, a weekly basis. John Wilner, Bay Area News Group, San Jose Mercury News, is with us. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the championship game. You saw what Kyle Whittingham did last Friday night in Utah. Uh, I had picked it to be a close USC win. But I was shocked at the way that Utah just dismantled USC in the second half. What did you make of what you saw? Well, to me, the big thing was, uh, and it's been part of USC's formula all year, is the turnovers, right? Their turnover margin in, has been incredible. The best uh, since Oregon's uh, playoff team in 2014. The best in the country for Power 5 since 2014. And Utah only turned it over, what, once? It's like Utah won the turnover battle, right? That USC, I think, had two. Utah had one. If you go back and look at SC's big wins, right, they were plus four in turnovers in Corvallis. I think they were plus three in turnovers against UCLA, plus two against Notre Dame. But Utah didn't let them get that big advantage. And so USC's defense wasn't very good, but they were so good at turning the ball over that it offset all their weaknesses. Utah didn't turn it over but once, and once Utah was able to hold them out of the end zone and was 14-3 and they held them to a field goal, to me that turned everything right there. Give me an idea of Deion Sanders to Colorado. How, you know, I know, I think we both believe that this is a win for the Pac-12, but how big a win is it in your mind for the Pac-12 and, and for Colorado? I mean, I think it's uh, it's gigantic for Colorado. The fact is, everybody's talking about Colorado. They, it was on the front page of uh, ESPN's website, uh, like, all day Sunday. Right? Colorado's never had that kind of attention. At least it's been 20, 30 years. So, to me, it's a huge win for the Buffs. Like, already, he's already worth his first-year salary with the attention he's generated for them uh, and the enthusiasm among their donors and their fans. 
for the conference, it's also huge. It's, it's kind of like Lincoln Riley, less obviously far less accomplished as a coach, but the same kind of, you know, vehicle for, for national exposure for the Pac-12. Uh, he's, he's a sports celebrity who happens to be coaching, uh, and it's generating an incredible amount of incredible amount of interest for the conference. Huge win. It'd be like, I don't know, Magic Johnson or Bill Walton coaching basketball in the Pac-12. Wilner, how soon can he win? I mean, given, you know, he's he's trying to set a tone with his roster, and I didn't mind it. I think he's being honest with the kids. But how soon can Deion Sanders get the talent at Colorado, assemb- assemble a staff, and matter? You know, it's interesting because that, that video, right, when he said, basically, you guys better hit the road, I'm bringing in better players. If, he, if it's not Deion saying that, that coach is going to get pretty heavily criticized for how they're treating student-athletes. But he's kind of playing by different rules because of who he is. Uh, and I think they could, they could get to a bowl game next year, right? Uh, we've seen quick turnarounds. Thanks to the transfer portal, you can overhaul your, you know, 20, 25 guys on your roster if you want. So uh, I would imagine they're going to be competitive next year. What we don't know, though, is Like it's Chip Kelly told me once upon a time. I asked him as he was preparing for a Rose Bowl. I said, you know, give me an idea: game planning for Delaware versus game planning for Ohio State. He said, it's just game planning. Uh, you know, like coaching is coaching. Do you believe that? Uh, I believe Chip believes it. Uh, <laughs> you know, just as if you know the way Chip does. But I, you know, I'm not sure everybody would have the same. Uh, the same approach to that. Not every coach would have the, the same approach. I think that the circumstances matter, talent matters in terms of how you go about things. But you know that is that is certainly part of the way of Chip's coaching philosophy to look at it like that. So I can totally see him saying it. All right, big teams that you're watching for next season. Give me who you think. Uh, let's just spitball the top two or three teams in the Pac-12 next season. Will be um, in no particular order. Yep. Washington, no USC, Utah. I'm yeah. going out on a limb there, huh? <laughs> All right. No Oregon State. Look, you're, I mean, coaches and quarterbacks. Coaches yeah. and quarterbacks. That's it. I don't know, and we don't know for sure who's coaching, who's quarterback in Utah, but. You know, until they get dethroned, I'm assuming that they are going to be one of the top teams. Oregon State, to me, again, the issue is a quarterback position. Can go bring some the answer? Are they going to have to get somebody to transfer a portal? they got to go in the portal. Uh, Keenan Slovis, I, yeah, Slovis they gotta, is in the portal. JT Daniels is in the portal. There's quarterbacks there. I don't want JT Daniels for Oregon State, but uh, I think I think Jonathan Smith's got to get a quarterback in the portal. All right, Wilner, uh, I'll cut you loose. Um, I, I'm having a lot of fun doing the podcast with you. For people who don't know, subscribe on uh, whatever podcast you listen to. Just search for Kanzano and Wilner. You'll get uh, a dose of the John and John show. Wilner, thank you. Good to talk to you, man. Thanks a lot, my friend. There he is, John Wilner, Barrier News Group.
we disagree on uh, if we're breaking the tie. I would take Jonathan Smith, but I there's no wrong answer there. Kalen DeBoer had a great year. Um, by the way, guys, a little news out of San Francisco. Apparently, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's season is not over. The uh, doctors have concluded that his broken foot will not need surgery, and he may return in seven to eight weeks. Can the Niners? Can the Niners buy seven to eight weeks? The Super Bowl is ten weeks away. It's cutting it tight. But could Jimmy G be back in time for like an NFC Championship game? And would you run that risk of Brock Purdy's playing that well to get you there? <sighs> so much to talk about. Plus, Anna joins us. We'll uh, play Punch and Audio. We've got uh, Jonathan Smith on tomorrow's program, the co-coach of the year. Maybe we should get Kalen DeBoer and have him co-host a segment. Leave it here. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but... If you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.